We had a very long gospel reading today. The account of Jesus with the Samaritan woman is a very powerful gospel passage because it's really a gospel passage that is deeply theological. It's, It's the whole point of the gospel is to reveal the messianic identity of Jesus, that he is the Son of God. We kind of see this, there's this back and forth between the woman and all this different stuff going on, but it's all kind of this teasing out of this one powerful moment in verse 26 where there's this question of who's the living water, I don't know, you know, should we, I've got water, but you're saying you have water, and all of this kind of intentional misdirection and and suspense building up to this moment when Jesus, in verse 23... After the woman says, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus responds with the powerful words, I am he, the one speaking with you. I am he, the one speaking with you. Today I want to just talk a little bit about living water. Um, You know, water is the source of life. And uh, today, once again, this, this idea of living water is being connected with Jesus, that without Jesus, we can't live. We can't be alive. We're going to die spiritually um, in our hearts. You know, water is so essential. I, you know, you always see this a lot of time in like movie scenes, you know, the guy who's wandering through the desert for, for days and days, and he's thirsting for that water. You know, he's seeing the mirages and, and his whole mindset, every ounce of his body is so focused on that one thing, finding the water. Everything else doesn't matter. It's about finding that little drop of life so that they can, that person can survive. I want to argue that really the gospel passage today is really challenging us, especially during this season of Lent, is do we approach Jesus in that way, where Every ounce of our body is focused on him because we truly know without him we will die. So every ounce of our body is thirsting, yearning for him who is the new life that sets us free. The new water that liberates us from our sin and brings us to eternal life, back into communion with God our Father. You know, I I remember uh, I was doing, um, back in the day, uh, I used to do triathlons. I was an endurance athlete, did these really long triathlon um, events where you swim, you run, and you bike. I, I did the Ironman, which is this really long race. You do it basically all day. It's about 16, 17 hours that you're exercising all day. You swim, then you bike, then you run. And I was thinking about uh, just uh, this passage in light of uh, that Ironman I did. I remember on the run, I had got to the run, which after you've Swim, swam for two and a half miles, you bike for 112 miles, and then you have a whole marathon at the end. So I was about 12 hours into the race, and I'm on the run, and I'm about five hours into the marathon, and of course I'm exhausted. And so when you're exercising for 16, 17 hours, it's so essential that you have the right nutrition and hydration because you're just constantly going. You're essentially eating while you exercise. And so it's super essential you get what you need at the correct mile markers, that they have what you need. And that day, they had messed up the water stations, where at some of the stations, the volunteers, they always usually have water, and then you have like this, basically this kind of mixed stuff, which is kind of like a Gatorade that has all these electrolytes to refill all your salts and stuff that you end up sweating out. And at three or four of these mile stations in a row, the volunteers had messed up and had taken all the water and mixed it with the Gatorade material, essentially. So all that they had was this really salty, 
you know, like Gatorade-rich water. And you'd go and you'd be like, water, water, water. And they're like, we don't got it. And you're like, what? (laughs) Don't tell me that after I've gone, you know, 12 hours exercising. And I remember it was one of the worst things during that race is having to deal with just all of this salt in my body for multiple miles and not having that clean, fresh water that would flush out all the toxins that were in my body from exercising 12 hours. So, you know, just in the way that I was yearning for that life-giving water during the race, you know, our spiritual life can be like that. In the midst of a world that's polluted by sin and, and just brokenness, we can feel that yearning for, Lord, give me the purity of life that refreshes my heart, that flushes out from my spirit all that is not of you. As we hear today, only Jesus, who is the living water, can do that. I want to go through kind of different parts of the gospel passage today to kind of hopefully just tease out this powerful reality of Jesus being the living water. So there's this back and forth once again with the woman who is finding water in this kind of human way. She's like, you're here at the well. Um, You know, I've got water for you, but you don't want it. Now you want me to turn to you. It's interesting. Once again, that question that she asks him. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking to you. I am he. You notice that statement tells us a lot of different things. If, if you listen closely, you know, I am he, the one speaking to you, reminds us of what? It reminds us of the Old Testament, Moses asking God, you know, in the burning bush, who are you? And, and God says who? What? I am who am. Kind of like what we hear Jesus today, I am he. This sense of connection with God, the Father, with Yahweh. This passage actually is the exact same Greek translation of what we see in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 6. In that passage, it basically says that the Messiah will come and people will know his name. So there's this deep connection with what Jesus is saying that not only is he the Messiah, but even a deeper meaning that he is the one who is incarnating God here on, the, on, on earth. He is Yahweh, God the Father, the God of the Jews made present to us. He's the direct connection to God who sets us free. Now, he also kind of teases out from this woman just a sense of this life-giving water satisfying the deep desires of her heart. We hear this when she asks this question, you know, like, give me this water so that I don't have to keep coming back to this well to draw water fruitlessly in my life. So often, our spiritual life is like that. When we're attached to sin, we feel this futility in our life, this sense of never being satisfied. So keep having to come back to the sin and try, and maybe this time it'll satisfy my heart. You know, Jesus' promise is he is the living water. When you come to me, I will truly quench your thirst. In the midst of the desert of this world, I will quench your thirst. I will show you who you truly are. And reveal a love that will never pass away, that will last unto eternal life, that will draw you from this world of suffering and pain back to God, your loving Father, Yahweh, 
who has claimed you not only since the dawn of existence in your creation, but has been working ever since that moment of creation to redeem humanity and draw it back to himself. You know, I also love this, this I am statement because it also reminds us of what we're reflecting on in Lent. That to receive the life-giving water, we have to die to the other polluted waters that we try and, that we go to in our life. The polluted waters of sin that have been poisoned, you know, by our own pride, by the broken nature of the world. Only in Jesus can we receive that pure water. And so if you think about that I am statement, I, all, I usually think of two the passion and what begins the passion for Jesus. Jesus' I am, Jesus's I am statement not only proclaims that he's the source of life, but he's the source of life because he was willing to die for our salvation. So if you remember, the first station of the Stations of the Cross, he's there before Pilate, and Pilate asks him essentially the same question, are you the king of the Jews? And what is his response? You say that I am. You say that I am. See the connection there? And it's because of that statement of the truth who he is, he's also saying, I'm the representation of God on earth. I am God made flesh. I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah because I'm willing to give everything out of love to you. I'm incarnating the will of God the Father to die, that God would die so that man would have life again. It's this deep, personal gift of himself. And that's where the power of liberation is. Our salvation, which comes, is a pure gift that we can never earn ourselves. But we do have to say yes to it. We have to die to ourselves and say, I, I yearn for the living water. Give it to me. So I have to turn away from the polluted waters of my life and come to you, Lord. You know, Jesus kind of gets at this a little bit. When he talks about with the woman, he transitions from this theme of living water and he starts to talk about the, the correct place of worship. So the Samaritan woman starts to talk about, you Jews say that you should worship at the temple in Jerusalem, but we worship on this other mountain. And Jesus kind of challenges him and say, well, we Jews know where to worship. It's really the temple. And then he says this very unique thing. We Jews know that we have to worship with spirit and truth. It's very interesting. What he's actually saying there, if you look at like the biblical commentary, is he's basically saying, yes, the Jews worship in Jerusalem at the temple, but the temple is soon to be changed because there's going to be a new temple of life, which is me, where spirit and truth will lie. The spirit of God coming down from heaven and will live in the people of God, the new church, which is founded on me, the new covenant, Jesus who sets us free. So people will no longer worship in the temple in Jerusalem, but they will abide and find worth and connection with God only in me, the new living water. So I'm the new place of worship. Only in me will you have spirit and truth. Only in me will you have living water. Will you come alive? And notice how it requires, it's, it's this beautiful image because it shows that now Salvation is not only through the law, but it's through an encounter with a person, Jesus, who is the living water. It's very key for our life, especially during Lent. Salvation is only going to come 
through encountering Jesus during this time of Lent, trusting in him and allowing him to not only take us away from the impure water of the world to new water of life, but to pull away from the false temples, the false idols of our life where we worship and don't find life and come and encounter the new temple who is Jesus where there's security, life, blessing, and freedom. Very, very powerful image. Jesus, who is the new temple. We see this in a very powerful way when the Samaritan woman, she leaves the well, and it's very interesting. The words are very specific. It says, she left her water, her pitcher, uh, uh, the, the thing at the well, and she went to the town to tell everyone, which is very interesting. She leaves the old water, the whole reason she came to go share the new life, the new water that she's encountered in Jesus, who says, I am the living water. And then she shares that encounter with the people who then encounter Jesus at the end of the gospel passage today. It's very beautiful. They say, we believe not only because you've told us, because we've also heard. We've all, we've all, we have also encountered Jesus because he's stayed with us for two days. And now we also believe through encounter with Jesus, the living water, the new water of life. I want to transition a little bit because I think homilies should be very applicable for our life. We're in a very interesting situation right now. You know, we see the church is a lot less full than normal. We're dealing with everything that's going on in the world, obviously the COVID-19 virus. And we're at a time where there's a couple places where maybe the... During Lent, we, we resolved to give up things for God, and now we're, in being, we're, in, we're encountering new places that, like new inconveniences that we didn't choose, but are opportunities to use to encounter God. It's interesting. I saw um, a text recently. Someone shared it with me where someone basically shared like they were texting uh, um, to their friends. They were basically saying, you know, I didn't plan on giving up this much for Lent. Well, maybe we're all kind of feeling that, just that anxiety and confusion right now and what's going to happen. And, and maybe you, like, uh, like so many of us, have had to give up plans. You know, maybe you were planning to travel. Maybe you were planning to go to a sports event or a concert that got canceled. Maybe the very daily life that you had was disrupted with all that's going on. You know, in the midst of right now encountering just the brokenness of our world, the moral of the story today for today and now is how do we turn to Jesus who's the living water? How do we turn to Jesus, who is the new temple where we find security in life? How do we find through an encounter with him the courage to continue to love, the security to find our peace and our hope in him, and the power to witness to his love in the world, who is realizing the futility of the world right now? How do we be a witness of, of calm testimony to that we still possess the source of life? through our relationship with Jesus. So how do we do that right now? Well, there's a couple different things. You know, right now, we're being called to be very charitable. So obviously, practicing all the health practices that are being pushed out, that's a way of loving each other and taking care of ourselves and others. You know, the bishop has put out this great letter recently, kind of pastorally helping people understand that we're all at different places right now. We all have different physical conditions. We need to take care of each other. So these beautiful pastoral dispensations to help out that you know, you, you uh, are excused from the someday obligation if you have things going on with your health, or um, I encourage you to read the letter because it's very specific, just kind of all the different ways in which we're trying to care for God's people right now. With that, I was thinking about today, you know, at the end of the day, 
whether we're coming to Sunday Mass or not because of the situations of our life, the most important thing is we still need to be encountering the Lord, who is the source of all life. You know, maybe this is a time, you know, kind of a blessing in disguise, whereas things are being canceled and our life is intentionally and forcefully being simplified, how is it an opportunity to, in the simplicity, in the less busyness, in the sacrifices, encounter Jesus? I'm almost intentionally being forced to this place of simplicity where there's nothing left but God and the opportunity to pray. How do I use that opportunity to come before him and bring all that's there? Maybe my fears, my my anxieties, my doubts, my frustrations. How do I bring it before him and there find the source of life? He is the living water. So we come before our Lord and our God offering up just all that's going on in our life right now, intentionally still choosing to try and allow him to transform us during Lent, during this period of sacrifice, intentionally made and now maybe unintentionally received. Come before our God asking for that grace to turn to him there at the well of salvation where he gives us his heart on the cross, where living water flows out to redeem us from our sin and draw us to eternal life. We ask for that grace to receive that living water and know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We ask this in his name. Amen.